welcome to episode four of The Follow Podcast, an honest and open conversation for people who are actively learning to live like Jesus. And we are in the final episode of season one, Dangerous Conversations. And I'm just going to say right now, stay tuned to the end for an announcement about season two, which we're excited about. And this has been based on the One Church TO teaching series, Is the Bible a Dangerous Book? that we just wrapped up this past weekend. I'm Matt Smith, and join with me today, we have our lead pastor, Pastor Jonathan Smith, and guys. Pastor Jessica Collins, who hey is actually the one who taught this past weekend. And uh, yeah, it's, we're going to jump in and have a conversation, the final one. We're going to have a lot of questions today, get through as many as we can. Thank you for, for submitting those yeah. questions and being a part of that. But why don't we start with just kind of a recap of what we went through this weekend. So... Pastor Jessica, I'm going to tell you what you told me. Okay. okay? I'll mark you. <laughs> Perfect. And then feel free to jump in if there's anything we want to add here. But just as a quick summary, just to catch you up, if you are if you weren't able to be with us, obviously you can watch the replay. We'd encourage that. Um, but we the, the answer to the question, do we anchor our lives to the Bible, is actually we really, as followers of Jesus, we anchor our lives to Jesus. That's right. And we value the Bible because He values it. And so... Um, it that should change how we yeah. read scripture. I love how you said putting Jesus glasses on mm. Mm. when we're reading scripture. That was really really cool. So when we're reading the Old Testament, we're looking for Jesus. Yep. We even did that a little bit sometimes last week. Our discussion on the podcast was great about the road to Emmaus. How Jesus was looking for himself in scripture and mm. pulling that out for people. And in the New Testament, we look at Jesus. We see how Jesus was acting and how he lived and the yeah. decisions that he made. Um, and we, we, it should change the way we see people as well, if we're doing this right. The people that annoy you. Yep. <laughs> the, those, that, those are the people that we should change how we love. So today, if I annoy you a little bit, we'll see. We'll just put that to the test. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it should change the way we do life. Oh, thank you for ending with that. What a great challenge for us. Community matters and obedience yeah. matters. Mm. Man, we could we could spend so much time talking about how we live that out. Um, but okay, let me let me start with this question. I had I had to pull this question because a few weeks ago we talked about how taking a verse out of context is ov- oftentimes missing the the value and the beauty of of the of the the text. Yeah. But then I, I look at at your teaching notes from this past weekend, Pastor Jessica. And you had Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 9, Genesis 9, verse 11, 12 to 2 to 3, Exodus 19, 5 to 6, 2 Samuel 7, 12 to 13, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. Whoa. So here's a question. You're marking me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Hey, <laughs> the, the One Church Teal app has the teaching notes if you need it, okay? <laughs> um, are we lucky dipping when we teach? Like oftentimes yeah. when we're teaching, we'll have moments where we bring up a scripture and I don't know if it, do we we don't have time to get into the context. Why why do we bring up often in our teaching a lot of different scripture verses? But maybe that's not the most healthy way to read the Bible. How what's what's the yeah I know that's a great there. question. Uh, maybe peeling back the layers a little bit. So sometimes yeah. I guess people could watch a teaching and think, oh, that's it. That's the that's the teaching that they that's what they wrote. Actually, Pastor Jonathan, you and I talk about this a lot. Our teaching notes are actually very vast, and we bring them we pair them a lot down. Uh, for a Sunday morning teach. Which is a painful process. Oh, so It's so hard to edit. Especially the good stuff. I know there's some stuff that I just love, I'm fascinated by, but I realize it's not really, 
You know, there's such thing as too much information. We've yeah. been in gatherings where someone gives way too much and you end up with less when you go home. Absolutely. So you don't just write until you get 30 minutes of content and then you're like, pencil down. <laughs> Done, time to go. <laughs> no, no, you know what? It's, it's hours and days of mm-hmm. study that go into a 25 to 30 30 minute teach. Um, there's all that work exegeting passages so that we don't have to exegete them on the stage, I guess. So what is it, what does that word mean? Exegete? Great question. So basically we're interpreting scripture. So okay. we would we would read the verse and then we would read the context, that pretext and that okay. post text. We would do all the discerning work right. and the interpretation in the week. And that's why we can go up on a stage and present present one verse and explain it. We've kind of done the background work. The other really cool thing I love that we do at One Church Two is we team teach. Mm, right. So we discern what the Spirit is saying, what He wants to say to His church, what, to His community, and then we do a lot of that work together during the week. You know, one of the things uh, from one of our weekend gatherings, someone came up to me after and just said, I love um, that there's a teaching team here. I, and it doesn't matter who's teaching each week. I just feel, I feel the congruency. I feel, mm. and I, I love what they're saying. But all of that's intentional, and some of our values get played out there. The idea being that, uh, first off, there's different representation on stage, generationally, gender, all of that, but uh, different voices in the community. Uh, That's loving your community. You know, when it's possible, some settings may not be possible. And I think also, too, it moves away from just linking your heart to one leader, Mm -hmm. but it flattens the organization that we say, hey, we're a community of people, and we're even a community of teachers. And Matt, you share in that. Pastor Jessica, Pastor Keith, our teaching pastor, myself, we share in that uh, value. And sometimes Dr. Van and others that we bring in uh, to augment and help strengthen our teaching moments. That's all very intentional. Yeah with the heart of the people in mind to equip them to actively learn to live like Jesus. And it's interesting. We organize our our teachings into series. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of planning and, and scripting, even the ideas, uh, even before it comes to the time when you guys write your teaches. We, Absolutely. So there's a lot of collaboration that goes in even before it comes to sitting down and writing the teach, right? We even share research with each other. Yeah, yeah. often. And you know what? So if you're here, you might be hearing one specific voice on a Sunday or a weekend gathering, but I can guarantee you there's multiple voices behind that, that we've sat in planning meetings, we've executed scripture, interpreted it. Um, it's just a healthy practice. It I is, think. yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, yeah, okay. So we are going to jump into the questions that. Awesome. Wait, I had a question for Pastor Jessica. Okay, 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 okay. I did, I did. There was something you said in your teach that I went home with, and it lingered for a little while, Okay, uh, because I love the statement. But maybe just briefly, because Matt's got an agenda here, and we're going to move ahead. So, <laughs> Sorry and he's briefly, marking me, so. You talked yeah. about how Jesus kept an inclusion list, yeah. not an exclusion list. Mm. And I felt that was uh, that was take-it-home, Sila thought. Mm. Unpack what you meant by that just quickly. You know what? Jesus fascinates me in this idea that they expected him to show up and be a king. We're going to be celebrating Palm Sunday. Jesus was a king. They expected him to come and uh, take authority on this earth and act in a certain way, Um, especially those religious leaders and those really important religious people expected Jesus to want to spend lots of time with them. But instead, we read all the time that Jesus goes and instead goes into the marginalized of society. He welcomes people in. He goes to the people that everyone else has deemed unclean and he invites them into relationship with him. And it's this idea that Jesus includes everybody. Mm. Everybody's included in Jesus's love. All of us need him and he came for each one of us. I mean, I remember you uh, talking through some of your teaching with me this week and 
and I, I loved where you're going. I didn't hear it at that time, but you alluded to this idea, and I couldn't help but think of uh, Dr. Timothy Keller. We quote him mm, yeah. a fair amount around here at times, but he said where he said, the humbler in and the prouder out. Yes. Mm. And so the inclusion list is always, doesn't matter who it is. If there's a humility to say, I need a savior, mm-hmm. I need a doctor, Right. I, I'm not. I'm not perfect, and I'm not. I don't have it all together. Yeah. They seem to be who he walks towards, and those who feel like they're good, it seems to be they don't get the audience. <laughs> it's incredible. But I love that. I just think that's a great, especially growing up in church. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of exclusion lists. I had a lot of growing right. up. These people aren't included. A list of them, right? right? And uh, Jesus didn't do any of that. A lot of that is kind of, I, I think, sometimes fear-based. Yeah. So there are communities and peoples that um, we, they, if they were walked into our church, we'd be very concerned, almost as if like our faith was always teetering. Mm. Like it was just always on that precarious edge yeah. where we could fall off it. Uh, and that truth is something that was so, you needed to defend it no matter what, because truth was so easily corrupted. Right. As opposed to, what can corrupt real truth? And how can faith, if it can't be lived out in society uh, by rubbing shoulders with people around us and everything else, then w- w- what, what good is that faith? Is that faith just meant for us? And I, I guess I, the, while you, how you shone that light on that value mm-hmm. was so important for our community. I just wanted to say thanks for doing that. And that was a great way of putting it. I never thought of the inclusion exclusion yeah. list. I thought that was good. really good. And, it, and it's easy to look at Jesus' inclusion list and uh, not relate to it well. Mm. Tax collectors and prostitutes. Right. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> it's not like we have very many of those necessarily yeah. in our circle, uh, but there's other people that we might naturally put up barriers, even... Um, like even barriers between them and Jesus. Well, I always think oh. of it ideologically to try to pull it out of just the narrative of you know tax collectors, prostitutes, like you said. Ideologically, the tax collectors represent that kind of right wing, uh, yeah. big business, wow, okay. profit at at the expense of the people kind of approach. And the prostitute and a lot of the destitute represent that kind of left wing value. I just feel like, um, and here's Jesus, and. Wherever you are in the ideological spectrum, he'll engage you. That's really cool. And I, I think I brought this out in one of our previous weekend teachings. It's very interesting. Even the Pharisees he engages, and right. they, he he engages the most intolerant people in his time. And in our culture, we're tolerant of everyone except the intolerant. intolerant people. And Jesus <laughs> is tolerant of intolerant people. He's the most open-minded person to ever walk this earth. Right. Absolutely. Okay, yeah, okay, wrangle time. I'm going to wrangle okay. it back in. So we're going to jump into our first question. Um, two things I want to say before we jump into it, though. One is thank you. Thank you yeah. for the questions that you've been sending. So many of these are showing us what, the level of depth that people are wrestling with this. And I mean that in a good way, that you're really taking your faith mm-hmm. seriously and that you really want to discover what what the Bible has to say about Jesus and how that changes the way you live. That's what this whole podcast is about. So thank you for that. The second thing is, uh, we're not going to close the question uh, funnel. We're going to keep it open as as much as we can. Um, and so uh, whether it's on the, the page where you found it, or we might actually be moving it to uh, the follow page, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to find that easy on our web website going forward. B, 
because we are gonna we're gonna have further conversations. And as you are asking questions, that helps even define the topics that we're gonna be including and looking out for in the future. So first question, this one we could probably go a little bit quick. Okay. This one it came through our website. Can you explain the book Song of Songs? Hmm. I understand it's poetic, but I have trouble understanding what it means and what is it trying to teach me? Thanks. It's a great question. <laughs> well, if I, I'll lean in quickly here. Um, you know, fantastic book. Uh, not you, you are prohibited from reading it as a young male for an X number of years because it's so explicit. I mean, it speaks about all kinds of sexuality there, as well as sexual acts in marriage, including oral sex and all kinds of stuff. It's in that passage. And so at a larger level, macro level, the Song of Songs kind of parallels our relationship with God, this mm. intimacy and this exclusivity. So when you read that book, think of exclusivity mm. breeding intimacy. Where do we build intimacy with someone? It's through exclusivity. So Song of Songs is written by Solomon, King Solomon, early in his life. He has one lover, and he loves her with everything. And it's this exploration of exclusive love that builds this beautiful intimacy. Uh, and then Ecclesiastes, paralleling it, is a book that li he likely wrote at the end of his life, and he's practiced, he, he's l not limited himself from anything. Right. He's indulged himself in every form of sexuality. Uh, he's with multiple, 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 multiple women, blah, blah, mm. blah. And he, in the end, he is unsatisfied. Right. It is a vast, dark, deep hole that he can't get out of. And it all becomes meaningless. And it's a beautiful contrast because it's really in the exclusivity of the Song of Psalms that he songs that he was happiest, right. most fulfilled in one exclusive relationship. I, I'm glad they asked that question. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. It is hard to understand. So read it with the big picture in mind, uh, the exclusivity of my and the intimacy of my relationship with God and the beautiful nature of that, as well as what you can have in a in a partnership. When in a covenant relationship. Now, not all, I think this is good to outline too. Not all books in the Bible are moral, this is how you do it books. Mm -hmm. Right? So Ecclesiastes, you brought that up. Right. Um, in fact, I love how all the wisdom literature, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, even some of Job, Song of Songs is in there in terms of in some of the, the aspects. They're, 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 fleshing out a fuller idea with with the with each other that you would miss if you read proverbs only we talked about this a few mm -hmm. weeks ago you can take some proverbs and take them as promises mm. we can expect life to only be good mm. but when you pair that with job we can say oh life has challenges and there can be something deeper than the challenge i face or something that sustains me in the challenge i face a promise beyond it and you can look at ecclesiastes and say if we live for the temporal life it is meaningless so having having the the balance of them in in perspective really helps flesh out our idea of what the good life is, what it is to live with wisdom. So that's it's good. That's a, that's a, that's a take. Hope that's helpful. I think even for our tradition specifically, I mean, we come from the uh, a Pentecostal charismatic stream of of churches and theology. I think those wisdom books are really powerful and important. I think uh, Pastor Jessica, you've brought this out a few times. Because we're more outcome focused, as uh, and this is one of the strengths of our movement. It's also a bit of our Achilles heel. Uh, and Job, you referenced. I think that's one of the. It's a and Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books in the Bible. 
But uh, Job is interesting because if you're outcome focused, you're disappointed. Yeah, yeah. But Job is outcome focused in eternal set values. He he is anchored to God through it all, and it's a beautiful outcome. But I mean, if you're ta- talking about the immediacy of this temporal life, is disappointing. I think it's really important in our tradition we read books like this. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's go to our next question here. Uh, I love this question. What about the historical accuracy of within the Bible? Outside of the Bible, some major events aren't documented elsewhere. Uh, some of Exodus, some of Esther, etc. So, what do we? How do we handle the historical accuracy that we see within the Bible? I mean, like even Genesis. There's been raging debates about the 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 historical accuracy about those events. But even some of the other books that seem to be less literary. Like Genesis is a, is poetic, um, so maybe even some of the other ones that seem to be history books, like mm-hmm. Esther or, or mm-hmm. other accounts. Uh, what do we do when there's spotty evidence there? I think I'll jump in here and just say before we get into this conversation, it's really important that we keep in mind that we're anchoring our lives to the person of Jesus. Right. So we read these things, and we just got to be honest. Some some stuff we know, and some stuff we don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And some we will find out later on in life. But when we anchor ourselves to the person of Jesus and not anything else, then we can have these conversations and they don't shake us or move us or our faith is built on if this was this way or this was this way. We anchor ourselves to Jesus and that allows us to have these conversations and, and questions. And there's we're never going to be able to answer every question no. anyway, right? Like that's an impossibility. I think too, like just being a bit of a hobby historian, <laughs> a hobbyist, <laughs> that I love history, just love it. We need to acknowledge that there's significant gaps yeah. in in our historical understanding. You can't Google it. Uh, you are dependent on ancient passages. You're dependent on archaeological discoveries. And how many times in the Bible have something been untrue until it was discovered to be true right. by advancements or new discoveries? And so there is an element, I think you said it best, Pastor Jessica, that there is this mystery and mm-hmm. there's going to be some gaps. And this is why faith is needed along the way. Also, I think we've touched in earlier podcasts on the fact that you're reading Genesis like a science book, you're going to be very disappointed. Right, yep. If you're reading it as it's intended, as its ancient piece of literature, you can see uh, the beauty and also the congruency with history. Right. So a lot of it's understanding, a lot of it's where we're at, and also, too, we're in 2023. We're talking about events, you know, four to five, 6,000 years ago, and... Uh, there were no Google records then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, one's, no one's archiving the internet. Uh, yeah, a good example I have is uh, Pontius Pilate was not referenced much outside of the Bible, and there's no firsthand evidence of him until, uh, I think it was in the 80s, they yes. discovered uh, mm-hmm. a dedication marking, like a cornerstone that said, Pontius Pilate is dedicating this to the, C- the Caesar at the time, I think it was Augustus, and uh, that was in Caesarea. So, like, there's, there's um, th- like you mentioned, there's, Mm. confirmations that we still might be discovering. Mm. Um, but that doesn't, I, I don't think we can wait until we have a full historical accurate record of everything. We don't need to wait for that to get the value and understand what the scripture is trying to to, to teach us, right? Mm. And there's a lot of value in that um, and the idea that we get to watch with open eyes to see how God's going to reveal himself to the world, right? Like right. how he's going to 
uh, show his authority in scripture. Right. He's not taken. He's not taken off guard no. by like, oh man, uh, what are they going to do without this evidence? <laughs> he he allows there to be whatever we need for for us to for those who are really truly seeking him. Yeah. To to get everything we need to follow. Right. This is the power of truth. Right. Uh, truth doesn't need me to validate it to make it true. <laughs> or it doesn't mean I, I can't make it less true. Truth is truth. Right. And so I think some of uh, the strength of our faith is being able to lean in on the way, the truth, uh, Jesus, and the person and his record. And then there are all kinds of peripheral things that, that we need to navigate as, mm-hmm. we, as we deal with truth. Okay. I think that's why community is powerful. Okay, yeah. so we're yeah. going to jump to our next question. And this one... Something we've been really enjoying in this podcast series has been doing some reading practice where we actually take a look at scripture and just together we pick it apart and mm-hmm. digest it. Like you've said in community, Pastor Jessica, that's been so helpful. So we're going to look at Luke, a few different passages based on this question that came through our website. I'm going to try and summarize it here. Is our salvation based on doing any acts from our end? I know that Galatians really emphasizes that we are only saved by faith in Jesus. But what about in Luke, in these examples that say that some actions would make God deny us? So we're going to start with this first one, and then there's kind of a follow-up for the second one. Uh, The first one, Luke 13, verses 24 to 28. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which is the one that we use most often for our, our teaching time. Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter, but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you and taught in our streets. Sorry, and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you came come from, get away from me, all you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, mm. but you will be thrown out. Mm. Yikes. That doesn't feel like good times. <laughs> that feels uh, not, not, uh, not like the loving God that we, lo- we, we talk about all the time. Mm. So what's happening, what's happening here? Anything that stands out to you guys? Should we do some... Pretext, post-text, context. Oh, it's good. Uh, well, we probably should. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think it's interesting when we read a passage like this where Jesus is teaching, and um, w- I love the Jesus that says, "Whosoever will come, don't so, don't don't pro- prohibit the children from coming." I love that tender shepherd who stands in front of the oppressed and the marginalized and against the powers that be. Uh, But his justice and righteousness is as real as his mercy and kindness. And there is something about us understanding the justices and righteousness of God in a passage like this. Uh, And I think this whole idea of, you know, where he says, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Obviously, Jesus knows if you're God, you know everything, and you know where they come from. This is more a matter of how they position themselves. I think this passage, and I think we were in a meeting earlier today, and I said, man, someday I want to speak on the difference between church people and Christians. Right. Because this passage kind of speaks right to that. 
uh, there's a big difference between church people and Christians. Christians are transformed. Christians are fueled and operate in this world of an, like they're from another kingdom. They don't deal in the economy of this world of, uh, of you know, you do this, I'm going to do this back to you. And, you know, I, I'm going to use my anger to power up to try mm-hmm. to control. That's not Christians. That's church, maybe church people. You can be dressed in it. And this reminds me, this whole passage seems to be a church person knocking on the door like, hey, wait, 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 I came <laughs> to church every weekend. I listened and, right. you know, I, I sang yeah. songs to you and I even put things in the plate when it went by and back in the day when we used to pass a plate. <laughs> yeah. And he's saying like, whoa, 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 we didn't even know each other. Right. Yeah. That's staggering. I, th- I think the thing that stands out to me the most is the fami- familiarity that they have. Right, like they 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 are so familiar with Jesus, it's almost a, a taking a taking for granted, or a familiarity that that the familiarity that breeds contempt. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard that phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you know someone or you're around them so much, you don't realize the beauty that's there or or the the richness. I I know in seasons of my life, I have had that familiarity that made me not treasure or even pursue Jesus. I, I've unfortunately seen it in others. It's it's dangerous. What are you going to share there? I was just going to say, what stands out to me is this idea of um, you're either in or you're out. Like mm. with Jesus, like we're given a choice and he's done what he's done for us, but there, you're either in or you're out. And in this passage, some people are inside the door and some people are outside. And it pushes at this idea that, and we see it all throughout scripture and all throughout the Bible, that God is calling his people to be his people. Um and, but there's there's requirements, right? There's requirements in getting to know someone. I think of a marriage. Uh, you're either in or you're out of a marriage. Either you're you're in and you are um, with your spouse and they can trust you, or you're out and you're doing things in which they can't trust you. And so with Jesus, I just see this um, mm-hmm. in this passage that at one point we do have to make a decision. There will come a day when it will be too late to kind of waver on the fence and decide where we are. Um, there's a caution in here that... Uh, we need to make that decision so that we can live out mm. um, what God has asked us to. I call these smelling small salt passages. You know, when, yeah. when athletes get knocked yep. out and they put the smelling small and they come wake to up. wake. I feel like every once in a while, for those of us who journey for any length of time, the danger is to follow the things of God, not the God of things. Like, like, uh, I, like I can be around, the, I grew up in the, around the things of God. I know how church works. I understand the format. I know what's expected of me. Right. And the danger is that I fall into that and I miss the God of all these things. And I think that passage here is specifically kind of even poking at that. And that's healthy for me to read. As a pastor, healthy for me to read. Remind me, I could be studying as we do scripture just to prepare a talk, a message, a sermon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but where where's my where's my study of scripture? To just find God, mm. to see God, to be transformed by truth. That that makes me think yeah. of how we build our gatherings, and I think like uh, I could go so many different places with this, but uh, I, I think I've seen I've seen this uh, in play when people are holding the things of God as sacred mm. instead of the God of things, mm-hmm. and uh, when when uh, uh, the appropriate adaptations are made to be a vibrant light in our community and our culture and to speak to to the to the reality of what's what uh, we're living in Toronto in 2023 um 
if you're holding to the things of God as the sacred things, it's the same thing as holding to the Bible as the sacred thing instead of holding to Jesus. You, you, you. When something gets pulled out of your hands, you realize how much you were leaning on it, mm. or how much you were valuing it, and whether you're defensive, your posture is mm. defensive or gripping tight to it, or whether you're open-handed. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how the familiarity that is is here. Maybe they they loved being around Jesus. Mm. Uh, maybe they loved being around the people who love Jesus. Even well, there's a halo effect, right? Mm. There's yeah. a, there's 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 this benefit. Like you know, if you're, I was raised in church and Christian community. And I know that there's a benefit to it, even if you are not in it, but you're around it. There's There there was so much love, acceptance. There was a lot of good things that came in the halo effect, but I could be living in the halo and again, miss the the source, the, the focus. And I think passages like this, teaching like this, Jesus yeah. is talking to a religious group of people. They'd all right. been steeped in that in the culture. Uh, man, if if they're followers of Jesus watching this, these are good passages to read. <laughs> <laughs> and along go. those lines, the halo effect, you get all that outward uh, benefits of yes. being a part of a Christian community, but it, it's that deep transformative inward mm, uh, mm. work that Jesus would love to do, like really benefit your life and really sustain your life when we spend time with him as opposed to just within his community. I think the temptation to stay in the halo side is usually it doesn't require too much of you. Yeah. But uh, like a lot of e- benefits. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a little bit like I mean, Pastor Jessica, you've really helped us as a community and and we try to model it as much as possible, but you've really encouraged people to seek counseling. Yeah. To do the work of allowing God's spirit to transform you with able people around you because we all get stuck. And trauma, difficulty, painful experiences, all those kind of things that uh, get us stuck. But you know, I've watched people do the hard work of counseling and prayer and study and community, right. yeah. Yeah. and I've seen people changed. I've watched others that would prefer the halo effect. Lord, just let me come to the altar and let someone pray for me and let it all be fixed. Right. And of course, all that's within the realm of possibility. Thank God Jesus doesn't answer all those prayers, though, because a lot of the benefit of the work of community and counseling and all of that is not only the healing that happens, but the strength of the body gets built into you. It's such a great, beautiful thing. I think God answers more prayers in community than he does individually in those moments. It's good. Your your last point in your teaching, I'm just going up here to get it right, it should change the way we do life. Mm. Yeah. Right? This is what we're talking about. If it's not changing the way you do life, then it's not truly following Jesus. If you're not... Mm -hmm. uh, valuing community and it's again not halo effect community Mm -hmm. this is the community that gets into each other's business and is there for each other in moments of really tough circumstances being willing willing to be associated with someone who's made bad decisions and you know like bring them you know bring them back to a healthy relationship all that type of stuff uh that's that's one and obedience i i don't think there's a word that that uh, is as uh, as a spotlight to someone's soul as obedience, because as soon as you say that word, everybody knows exactly what they're struggling with, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like everybody knows. Oh yeah, this is what I. When it, obedience means like this to me, it means I like where we fail to live up. You know, the 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 passages I do know and I do understand are the ones that bug me the most because they're the ones I know I'm not mm. always getting right. Um, 
Yeah, the trigger words I always <laughs> notice over the years of pastoring is submission and, and obedience. Those are two trigger words that are... Inact- they don't lean forward, they no, lean backwards. No, it, it enacts a little bit of rebellion in all of us. <laughs> right. Because they're both words of submission. They're both yeah. words of humility. They're both words that we have to acknowledge something, and that's hard. And, and that's why obedience to us, it doesn't mean to a pastor or to a leader. No. As much as it means to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? Thank, thank God for God's patience. <laughs> like, honestly, uh, every time I get impatient with people, because I can be very impatient because I'm, I, I'm a do-do-do-do-do type person, I just remember how patient God's been with me. And I, ha- I have to slow down with my children, my, par- my partner, with, with the people I work with, everything, because God's been that patient with me. Like, uh, that's an extension that we can give away, but... Thank God for his patience with his people. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, let's jump to the second half of this question. And I'm going to read uh, the question here, which is, uh, it was written after reading the scriptures. So it might be a little bit out of order, but stay with me because it'll help set up uh, when we read the scriptures. So the uh, referencing the the second scripture, this scripture resonates with me and makes me feel pressured because my family is Hindu and I recently gave my heart to Jesus. So I've yet to have this conversation with them. And sometimes reading verses like this make me question if my salvation will be taken away if I end up not telling my parents about my faith. I know that we should share the gospel, but I'm terrified of how mm. it will turn out. Mm. Any guidance on this will be greatly appreciated. So that's the lens that we're reading this scripture from, okay? So Luke 14, verses 26 to 28, again, the New Living Translation says, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. What? (laughs) Sounds so Jesus-y. Sounds like Jesus. (laughs) Let's try that again. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. Mm. For who would begin constructing, uh, uh, begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? We could spend hours on this. This is a fascinating yeah. passage. Contextually, in chapter yeah. 14, Jesus is traveling. This is to a large crowd. This is not to a small group of people. This is to a large crowd they're beginning to follow him. He's having a lot of success. It's a lot he, of miracles, he, a lot of yeah. food being thrown around. Yeah, <laughs> he's just come from uh, the Pharisee's house and he gives the parable of the great banquet mm. and then this teaching. Right. And this is a fascinating teaching about the cost of being a disciple, right? Yeah. Even even his, he alludes to, and he goes on in that passage to talk about, uh, what's he say? Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When he first sit, sit down and consider, is he able with 10,000 men to oppose those coming with him with 20,000 men? And what I love of this passage is everyone in the crowd knew what he was talking about. Right. We, we don't. Right. He's talking about something historical that happened. King uh, Herod Antipas, who ru- ruled Galilee at that time, a puppet uh, king of, of Rome, had been at war with Nabatea. Nabatea was a neighboring nation right next to it. And uh, he had married, first he had married the daughter of the king of Nabatea. It was all, it was not Political love. Political game. But yeah. But he fell in love with his brother's wife, Miriam. 
Herod Philip's wife. And so he wanted her. She wouldn't have him while he was still married. So he divorced her. The king of Nabatea goes to war with them. He goes to war with 10,000 men. The king of Nabatea wipes them out with 20. And so when Jesus is telling this, he's rubbing salt in the yeah. powers that be. So everyone there is going like, we know who you're talking about. You know, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love when Jesus does things like that, where he he asks it in a way not to embarrass anybody, but to push towards truth. Even the thing before We've that, when it, it said the construction yeah. thing, right. I'm married to someone who's in construction. I can't tell you how many people go and build a house or do a renovation without calculating the cost. And at the end of the, uh, the day, they're like, oh, I, I didn't realize that. Jesus is pushing towards this idea, this narrative that think, count the cost, think about what you're stepping into before you actually step into it. I, I just, I love how Jesus pushes at things without making anyone feel belittled mm-hmm. or, or, you know what I mean when mm-hmm. I say that? Mm-hmm. Just, it's a very caring way that Jesus goes about teaching people. Mm-hmm. Teaching people to hate their mothers and fathers. Hate their mothers and fathers. <laughs> so, so even that, like, don't you love how, uh, again, it's, it's shocking. You do a surface read and you think... What am I getting into here? Right. But but again, uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. What's Jesus driving at when he says to hate your mother, father, brother, sister, blah, blah, blah? Well, uh, I'll, I'll jump in, then you go, go for in. It. Yep. Uh, it's, it, I think it's pushing at this idea, and we need to remember, we put those Jesus glasses on, right? Like we see these scriptures and think about the big narrative that's playing, not just the specific context or what's, what's going on here. Uh, we remember in the Old Testament how God was like, I will be your God and you will be my people. So he's hitting on this idea that he wants to be number one Mm. in our lives over anything else. And so sometimes we gain um, something out of the titles that we carry in our lives. Spouse, partner, mother, Mm -hmm. daughter, sister, all of these things. Jesus is pushing towards this narrative that God wants to be number one in our lives. So the most important title that we should be carrying is follower of God. So tie that in with our Song of Songs conversation. So yeah. in, in, in Genesis, it talks about this partner relationship, covenant relationship. Leave your mother, father, cleave to your, your, your spouse, your partner, and the two will become one flesh. Now, what is, what is it teaching there? Well, it's talking about where your priority is going to be now. It's going to be in the exclusive relationship you have with a partner. doesn't mean you dishonor your parents. doesn't mean you don't love the rest of your extended family. But there's a new number one in your life. There's a new number one. So when he's talking here, it's comparatively. Yeah. It almost looks like hate towards your mother, father, because you're so exclusively number one in love with Jesus. And again, I think I have moments where I feel like that's true. <laughs> I have moments where I have competing values mm. and I have competing affections. And this is where, again, we're going to keep, and we've probably hammered it in this series a lot, but honestly, it's community that keeps me more honest. <laughs> yeah. It is a spouse, they'll call that out in me when they see it. It'll be brothers or sisters to say, you look distracted. Mm. Distracted from what? From the kingdom way. Mm. I thought, what a great, beautiful thing. But If I'm going uh, to look at it, especially given the context of this question, yeah. someone who's left the faith of their family right. to follow Jesus, uh, I think this person is wrestling with their parents feeling like they hate them. I think this person is wrestling with that moment when they have to say, hey, uh, I'm not going to do that because I have a different priority now. Mm-hmm. And that could be taken as offense. That could be even uh, taken as uh, belittling of their parents or mm-hmm. saying, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And even 
even the most kind and responsible Jesus loving way that we could present our faith can sometimes be received as being rejected, yes, being seen as unloving. Mm. And I think that's exactly the the crazy the thing is that this person is asking the question that's there to tell them it's going to be okay. Mm. That it is okay if you do go through that moment where you're having to bring your faith to bear and say, okay, this decision forces my hand. I need I need to, to follow Jesus here. And I know you're going to disagree with me and I still love you, but that, that might not be heard. Don't, don't you love the courage of that question? Yeah. yeah. Whoever this individual is, I can see that they love their parents, they love their family, and yet they courageously want to follow Jesus. And I think that person is exactly in the tension that could played out in every follower of Jesus' life mm-hmm. in this world and not of it. Right. And it's very difficult and it's very personal though when it's family. Yeah. I mean, I'll ask you guys, are, are all of your family members following <laughs> Jesus or, or did you grow up around people that maybe were a part of your family that would definitely oppose or at least not, uh, they're not drinking the Kool-Aid they think you drank? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up. It, my whole family is following Jesus. My 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 parents. Your nuclear household. family, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so there there was definitely uh, a safe space for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to extended family experiences where uh, we we prayed before we went in to say, "Jesus, help us shine our lights here," mm-hmm. because not everyone is going to be carrying your light, and. Uh, Sometimes we even left with question marks. If there was, maybe they, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Like, uh, yeah. so, um, yeah. And I think that that shaped uh, some of my my parents and how they brought me up, and even how I experience extended families. Is there's going to be some moments of tension that we have to walk. That we love Jesus even more than we love being accepted and loved and participating in what it it means to be in this family culture. Mm. And uh, so nowhere near the level of intensity that this person is obviously sharing, but there's there was hints of that. There was there was moments of that for me, mm. yeah. How about you? Yeah, no, we, uh, we definitely have family and extended family who don't uh, serve Jesus right now. And um, my prayer has always been when we go in to see them or I'm in conversation with them, twofold. One, God, uh, give me... Give me the boldness to be obedient when you ask me to say something. That's such a good prayer. Two, Holy Spirit, keep me silent when when mm. you don't want me to speak. Oh, that's an even mm. more right? and profound so, prayer. <laughs> this idea that I, I want to be obedient, and I think this this person that shared this question, I agree with you, incredibly courageous, and I can I can hear that you want to serve God. That would yeah. be my encouragement to you that praying for boldness when God does ask you to be obedient, and he he wants you to share something that you would but also Holy Spirit, just help me to know when the time is mm. to speak and right. when, because let's remember, Jesus loved everybody right. and love leads. And and I would push towards this idea in relationships with anybody who, um, whether it's on faith or different issues that they disagree with you on, that relationship is so important mm. because God has placed you in their lives. And so that relationship has to stay at that most importance um, in and we do everything that the Holy Spirit allows us to do so that others might come to know Him. Yeah, I would encourage, that's really good, Pastor Jessica, I would encourage this person that a lived value is more powerful than a spoken value, mm. and that you can honor people that are believed different in your life. You don't need to diminish their belief systems yeah. to elevate yours. Right. 
That's good. But at some point, there needs to be some sort of declaration that I do follow Jesus. Yeah. And that's why I'm living this way and making choices this way. But I can honor you. And I think you can even honor, because for a lot of cultures, the religion is tied to the culture and a way right. of life and family and everything. So it can almost feel like you're divorcing yeah. your, your whole heritage yep. and your culture. And I think it's like, uh, how, how would Jesus live in the corners of that? Mm. And I think, I think there's a way of, you know, you, you're not going to catch uh, something by, by going and honoring the family in some sort of a moment at the temple or something like that, yeah. like you can be fully a follower of Jesus in every space and place yeah, and live as congruently as you can. And sometimes I think with family, especially, it's not your spoken, it's your lived values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what it is with family. They don't want to hear me preach as much as they were willing to listen to someone they don't know. Right. Yeah. So live it well, so they're curious. That goes back to a scripture that we read uh, about husbands, uh, sorry, uh, wives living right amongst uh, their husbands who right. don't who don't uh, mm-hmm. follow the way. Right, right, and right? Peter, yeah. Um, that we talked about a few weeks ago, so you can go back and check that out. I, I, the one thing I feel like when I'm reading this question that I, I would, if I was sitting across the table with a cup of tea with this person, I would be like, um, don't forget, Jesus is the one who made it so that you could come close. Mm. Jesus is the one who made it so that you can be in relationship with God. There's nothing that you can do with or without your parents that will that will separate you from God. Yeah. You know, and uh uh I do I do find that depend, depending on your personality or depending on your areas of security or insecurity, sometimes we can fixate on things that actually become distractions for us. Um and not again not to to belittle this, but major on the, the 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 pieces that will lead you towards Jesus and further and deeper and more in love with him and his way than uh, standing in the, the place of where am I, what, what edge might I cross over and that might remove me from faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, that goes back to your, to your comment about fear, fear-based decision-making. Uh, you, you will get, you will have so much more confidence in your own faith if you lean into the loving way of Jesus, as opposed to wondering, when am I crossing the line and I'm out? When am mm. I counted out? Mm. There's not much fruit in that, but there's a lot of fruit in leaning in and saying, how far and deep and wide can mm-hmm. I go into this, right? Mm-hmm. I can't help but think, too, that we do know there are scenarios in which people do lose their family over their faith. Yep. And um, just speaking to those people, if you've gone through something where you have lost family relationships, that's what I love about Jesus. He does provide a community of faith, a family of God, um, and that's like we were talking earlier, that's why community is so essential in in a faith community because we know there's people here that that do not have outside connections. We that's want so to good. lean in so and be the community, right? Absolutely. Can, and also, too, it's important, whoever this individual is, a lot of cultures are either guilt-based or shame-based. Likely, uh, this individual, if they have a Hindu background, they're probably coming from a shame-based culture. That's the same culture Jesus grew up in. Right. So mm-hmm. he understands he has a moment in his ministry where his family doesn't agree with him. Right. And and he says, who are my mother, brother, sister? <laughs> those who follow, those, right, who, yeah. those who obey. And there's this new family of God that God produces. And it doesn't diminish your human family or that nuclear family. He honors them right to the end. Mary on the cross. Mm-hmm. He, he gives John 
the the burden of making sure he cares for his mom. He, he's so loving and, and so caring towards his family. But for Jesus, it was like kind of that his adage, right? Seek first the kingdom right. of God, yeah, above everything, yeah, and His righteousness. And I'll add the things you need along the way. And you have to believe that that is the most loving thing that you can do for your family. Absolutely, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, that was really good. Yep. Yeah, I loved I loved doing this. Um, let's jump into. I think we have time for one more question. So I'm skipping over questions right now, and uh, I apologize. Oh. Oh, it hurts. There's good okay. ones. Yeah, there um, are some good ones, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's do this one really quickly before we land on on the last question. Um, uh, uh, this one came, I think, from our website again, and this person had uh, a a bunch of good questions, but we're only going to tackle one piece of it. How could David be a man after God's own heart? Mm. Oh. When there's polygamy, adultery, and murder. <laughs> Such a good question. You know what, Pastor Matt? David is my favorite character really? of the Bible. He is. Um, I love him because I can relate to David, and I think that a lot of people can relate to David. He has this great love for God, wanting to serve God, mm. wanting to be aligned with God. He also has this great love for sin. And if we're honest, <laughs> we are people that do it's like true. our own desires. Wow. We want what we want, like not that. what God wants. And so I just think that David represents humanity so well. In the sense that that David is this amazing king. Like in his time, no one would have been greater than David. He was like the pinnacle, the the top. And still David needed a king. Still David mm. needed a savior. Wow. And um, I can relate to that. Mm. As much as I think I'm great, still <laughs> Jessica needs a savior. That's good. Um I, I think it it the if it, it the obvious question, the answer is in the question. Obviously, if David is a man after God's own heart, then his choices to sin don't discount him. That's good. Right? So uh, obviously, there's a different metric that God's using to measure the heart of David uh, as being after God. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, so for me, that, that there's so much consolation in that, like you were saying, that where it's like, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to get it right to be after God. And... Uh, we were just in a discussion earlier today about Saul versus David. Mm. And you look how when Samuel confronts Saul, how he's like, what? These guys these guys got all this mm-hmm. stuff. They made the bad choices. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who built this mm-hmm. thing in my honor. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who grabbed all these animals when I wasn't supposed to. And when you look at David and Samuel confronts him and he brings the, mm-hmm. this the, this uh, allegory of the, the sheep and that this neighbor stole this sheep and... Uh, all the the drama and David's like, yeah, you should. That person needs to be punished. And then the the hammer drops. Ooh. It's you. And he's what is his response? These people made me do it. There's always open the one word. No, it was he tearing his clothes. It was a moment of absolute. Uh, the 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 humbler in and the prouder out. Yeah. Right. So Saul uh, is out. He couldn't humble himself. Blame shifting is a form of pride. Totally. I'm sure saying is a, a humility, and this is unique, I think, to David. And I think maybe one of the reasons you love him is he's powerful. It's easy to be humble when you got no power, when yeah. you got no recourse, <laughs> right. when you got like it's easy to be humble. Yeah. I got nothing, but he has everything to lose, yeah, everything, yeah. and he's willing to lose it all in that right. moment to for God up. to follow hard after God. There's something beautiful yeah. telling about that, and I think I love David for the same reasons you do, Pastor Jessica. He's messy. 
and I and I don't relish in his mess, but somehow it makes me it makes me feel like okay, God, God can God can handle me. <laughs> and there's this beautiful yielding, like you were saying about David's spirit when the Holy Spirit convicts him of the mm. sin that's in his life. There's a yielding there, right? Like. We're not perfect Absolutely. people, but yeah. when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, when He points on that one thing, when He's when we hear the word obedience and we know exactly what He's talking about, those are the moments in which it shows what our mm. heart is chasing after. Agreed. Right, and I, I think that's the biggest answer. Like, when's the last time we were confronted by our own sin, and mm. how did we react? Did we immediately pick up the defensive posture? Guilty. <laughs> like, how often have we been uh, humble enough to yeah. to repent, like David? Ah, God help me. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, final question. And this one, we actually heard a number of times uh, of through, through different questions, or even sometimes people on the weekend have been talking to us. And I love this question. Sometimes while reading the text, I feel like I'm missing some of the context because some of the background information isn't provided explicitly. Mm-hmm. Are there resources you can suggest to help inform our understanding of Scripture, Old and New Testament? And the way I would word it often that I hear is, yeah, you guys go up there and you say, oh, yeah, this is the historical context. Where am I supposed to find that stuff out? When I sit down and read the Bible, mm. I just see what's on the page. I don't see all that fancy stuff that you guys pull out uh, on the weekend. So how do I read the scripture more like what, what I experienced on the weekend? So uh, maybe just one one thing to preface but, it, but you go, you go, you go. You go before first. we get prescriptive, baby, just... Uh, uh, like I would say to everyone listening right now, be curious. Oh, it's good. Like it's your curiosity that forces you around. Like when I when when you see something and you're reading it and you're going like, mm. well, there's an obvious read of this, but there's obviously something else going on. Follow your curiosity. I'm sure, Pastor Jessica, I know I have great tools that I use and we can share some of those, but I'd say staying curious is really important. I'd say even as you age in your faith, remaining curious, recognizing oh, there's always mystery. And so I think we can get systematic. Systematic theology is a, a study of theology, and it's a way that can, if if it's overplayed sometimes, can be, I like, I understand God. I understand right. everything. I understand. Yeah, I, I know how to double-click on this. I understand. And I'm not against systematic theology. I would just say every bit of our understanding has limitations. But be curious. The Holy Spirit will lead you, but yeah. also to great resources. And I know I can speak for the three of us and Pastor Keith. We rely on people that have made it their life yeah. to study right. and write around these areas of interpretation and ancient cultures and biblical narratives and the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. Uh, we rely on them. And as a practitioner, I don't know where I'd be without them. And so... Uh, but it's my curiosity that keeps driving me to learn. I love learning, yeah. and I love I love when I, I'm hitting up against something I don't understand. It just makes me more curious. And so I just say to everyone, even who asks this question, I'm sure it's because they're curious. Absolutely, so, it's a great answer uh, for me. Uh, and I'm sure we can put a whole bunch of uh, recommendations in the show notes. And we have different websites that we go to and. We read these commentaries. A practice for me, I'm not sure if you guys do this. I always make sure that I read the text and I sit there for a little bit and I just just wait and let the Holy Spirit show me some of that curiosity. Mm, mm. Let him let me just listen to the words of the scripture 
and then go to commentaries and and hear more about the context that type of oh, thing. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great. It's way been to a good do practice it. for me uh, like to that. slow myself down because there's benefit in um, those who make this their their living their their whole life. Uh, the academic study of scripture. And then there's benefit to the Holy Spirit being able to speak to us. He does both. I'm so grateful for them. I think, I don't know how it is when you're writing, Pastor Jessica, but one of the things when I came back, when I came to this church in 2000 and I was came on staff and Pastor Keith was the lead pastor and he was the primary teacher in this assembly, one of the things that made him, made him sound so different to me than what I had grown up in was his work on application. Mm. And these, he called them take homes at the time and stuff right. like that. Uh, I believe that's you know even as you're talking about some of the scholarly work that I read, and I benefits from. They're low on application. They're great on mining information and understanding connectivities, uh, connectivity in text and such. But the application often comes from what you're talking about, just sitting in God's spirit and allowing the text to speak and saying, you know, uh, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to the community? What are you saying to me in this moment? I, I like that because I think application flows a lot more from that than it yeah. does even the tools. Yeah, that's good. Well, why don't we take why don't we take like just a couple minutes and share some tools? Can we do that real yeah, quick? Absolutely. Because yeah, yeah. uh, I know you guys brought some. So I, I mentioned this a while ago. This is the the uh, the Hebrew Bible, a translation with commentary by Robert Alter. So it's got his translation on the top, and then on the bottom, he goes through some of the context that he's providing. Now, this might seem out of reach for a lot of people. There's some some commentaries that are available for free online. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to give you a, a few different websites. We'll try and get these in show notes or just, uh, the description of the video here. Stepbible.org. You can read multiple translations, and, and there's some free commentaries there. Biblehub.com. Uh, I, this one... Uh, Biblehub's great, by the way. Yeah. It, it is the the... the the one that I didn't know existed that is the best is the interlinear function mm. where you can click on one word and it gives you all, every time that word is found all through the, 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 the scripture, if it's a Hebrew word, how many times it's found, what the, the definitions are, how it's being and used. And that's so important, Matt, as we're reading scripture, to read where else, because scripture does this often. Um, they would have read certain scriptures and it would have reminded them of other scriptures. And this right. is just such a great practice. Yes, that's, that's huge. Uh, netbible.org and biblia.com are also commentaries, parallel reading tools you can check out. And we've already mentioned them a ton of times, bibleproject.com. Mm-hmm. Such a great tool. Their reading plans, their app, I'm reading that, using that when I'm reading my, my Bible personally right now. And their video series, How to Read the Bible. I so recommend starting with that if yeah. this is all new to you. So those are some of the ones uh, I'd recommend. Blueletterbible.org too is another great okay, cool. uh, tool for you know someone just mm-hmm. looking to get into some of the apps and tools that connect it to studying scripture. That's another good website. I love that one. Lots of commentaries it that is, you can yeah. click on that one and yeah. gain some understanding from people who have been studying this right. their whole lives. That's good. Right. And you th- you, did you bring this? Yeah, I brought one book. Um, and the reason I brought a book is because I'm a reader. I love to read. And so I have certain books that that have journeyed with me my whole life. And this is probably one of my most favorites, a, a long obedience mm. in the same direction. Oh, that's good. And it talks about uh, a disciplined life, this long end game, not those short little meals, but this long end game. And it actually goes through the Psalms of Ascent, the Psalms that God's people would have sang and said as they were going towards uh, Jerusalem, as they were walking. And so I just love books. Uh, and I'd encourage anybody that maybe you are a reader to find a book that goes through a long piece, a long passage of scripture, not 
And there's nothing wrong with some of those devotionals where you read a verse and then somebody talks about that verse and gives you a thought for the day. But I, I prefer this type of uh, reading when I'm going through a big passage of scripture and meditating on it over a long period of time. So that's just been one that's really good. Another one, uh, Max Lucado's Traveling Light. He goes through Psalms 23, probably one of my most favorite oh, devotional cool. books I've ever gone through. I love Rabbi Kushner's Psalm 23 book. That's a fantastic book too. Oh, cool. I like it. But again, a book based on one chapter, yes. a very famous chapter. We should do a series about that someday. We but that's a, that's a whole side thing. I, I mentioned this in an earlier podcast. Couldn't remember what it was called, but uh, it's just, it, it's called the For Everyone Commentary. Oh, nice. They're very yeah. cheap. Get them off Amazon, but they're by a guy named Tom Wright, or if you're in the scholarly world, his scholarly writing is N.T. Wright, he goes by, but he might be... The, the greatest, most prolific New Testament scholar we have in, yeah. in our present age. And you, if you search, there's tons of videos. He has a whole series about answering questions that are really good, too. Which is a fantastic video podcast, is is that answering questions with N.T. Wright or Tom Wright. Yeah. Fantastic. I recommend that. Like you, Pastor Jessica, I like books like uh, this book by Timothy Keller on the Gospel of Mark. Mm. And so Mark is written to more Gentiles. It reveals the kingship of Jesus and uh, I love What's doing the title? That. It's called King's Cross. King's, King's Cross. Cross. Yeah, the story in, of the world in the life of Jesus. Yeah. Awesome. And then, uh, you know, this is just for interest's sake. I picked this up a few years ago. It's, I, I don't know, I've never used it. My teaching as much as it's been fascinating. It's called the Infographic Bible. I've seen that. It's really beautiful. It's such a beautiful it, it book. It is beautiful, but like it really does display mm. like uh, all the different connections in scripture that you don't see obviously uh, and it, it, timelines, all these things, uh, bringing parallel passages together, it's a it's a fascinating little read. So this is something more of a hobby kind of read, but we're interested in scriptures and different forms of it that we can put in your yeah. hands. Yeah. Even the book you referenced, Pastor Jessica, that's written by the guy who who created the, message, the message version yep. of right, scripture. Eugene the, Peterson, yeah. Great paraphrase. Very accessible. Yeah. Okay, closing thoughts here, guys, as we finish season one of the follow podcast dangerous conversations how have, how has this series shaped you how has this changed you like what what has been going on in your heart because mm. i i think especially for those who are joining along with us that we have the privilege of leading um they might think that we have it all figured out and yeah. we're we're kind of set in stone people but we're not we're we're hopefully tender hearted people that the spirit is continuing to speak to how has God been speaking to you in this series? I guess I have one challenge and one celebration. Challenging um, through this series has been God's been pushing at me a little bit uh, in my idea that there's one way to read Scripture. And that sounds funny coming from a pastor, but um, I can get into a mold of this is the way I read Scripture, and it works for me. And God's just been pushing, and it was during one of our podcasts where we were talking about actually the audio Bible. Right. And the Holy Spirit kind of just spoke to my heart a little bit like, almost that I didn't think that was a way to read the Bible, right? Like there was only count, a certain way, count. it doesn't count. <laughs> and God's just been revealing to me that um, there can be such a richness to approaching His Word right. and learning about Him. And I don't want to get so narrow-minded that I'm never open to all the ways that I can experience Scripture through community, through changing up my own individual routine, by looking at the whole context of the Bible. God wants to speak to us through His Word. Yeah. And then I'd say the celebrating aspect, I'm just so thankful that the Spirit is doing a work within our community, that people are excited about reading His Word and learning about Him and growing in that. That, that is exciting nerds. to me as a pastor. Yeah, that's good. 
I, I've I've loved this series. I think um, primarily because I think I'm a, a Bible nerd, and like I live <laughs> in this world. And I, I think for me, it's been wonderful listening to Pastor Keith and Pastor Jessica teach because I'm seeing it from a different vantage point and hearing it from a different uh, focal voice mm -hmm. that I think is really important. I think one of the things that has fascinated me over the years, we have so many good things in our tradition, so I'm not picking on it at all, but the public regioning of Scripture has never been a, a vast strength of ours. Mm -hmm. right. uh, we can be, if we're in an extreme, we use Scripture. We have to be careful with that. I think some other traditions, they read large portions of Scripture publicly often, and you touched on it in your teach this weekend about Scripture being read often in, and only in community in the beginning. And I know Paul's letters were read that way. And we, we tried something a few years ago doing that, Matt, but I, I feel like that is something that I feel challenged in, some of the liturgical and Scripture reading parts. Because uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the year, I really felt, again, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and we use that uh, language, but it's just a, it's a strong impression I feel as I pray for the community that this was going to be a year where God was, it wasn't that he wasn't going to do something through us, but the emphasis was what he was going to do in us. And I know that for all the people that are struggling with the power imbalances in this life and the, the hardships and the traumas and the difficulties, I watch people who have been steeped in God's word and truth as opposed to those who've been in the halo effect. Right. And when those things come, because they inevitably come, you build your life on the rock or the sand, mm. and you don't really know what it is until you get tested. And I, because I love this community, I want them not to be uh, can rooted in Pastor Jessica teaching or yeah. Pastor Matt or Keith or I. I. I want them to be rooted so in Jesus, and Jesus loved his loved the Word mm -hmm. and uh, honored Scripture, and Scripture reveals Jesus to us. So. I want them to be more in love with Scripture for as a result of this. And it certainly has even helped me to reaffirm and reconnect and, uh, uh, you know, that 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 love of, and, the, and again, even fuel curiosity, listening to others teach, and even seeing questions coming in on the back end of this. Yeah. It's helpful as a pastor to see what people are thinking and feeling. Yeah. Uh, I'll chime in real quick. Uh, I think one one of the questions that I thought of throwing for this this closing was who's the Bible dangerous to, mm. and I think that's kind of where I'm leaving things. My own my own perspective is it's dangerous to people who read in isolation, mm. and I'm mm. I'm hungry to see how I can find more ways to read the Bible in community, and to find more places, not just generic community in in the sense of like we we talk about this is a voice that we we come into community with when we read a book. Uh, but more so this community. I'm committed to One Church TO. Mm. This is where I'm planting mm. my roots. How do I find ways where we're being formed in community and reading in community where I'm seeing Christ through the eyes and, and the experience of others, other voices, diverse voices that are in my my own sphere? So that's... Can I add? Because I think you're yeah. right. It's dangerous to read it uh, outside of community individually, and it's dangerous to read Scripture in algorithms. And I say that to say, I know, right. even if you're watching this YouTube video, I'm sure your feed is filled with videos <laughs> that will confirm whatever biases you may have. It's good, yeah. What I love about community is I don't always agree. I find it difficult at times. I'll take 
someone in our community, could be a deacon, could be a pastor, could be one of our staff team or something, uh, could be an elder in our church, could be a person that confronts me on a Sunday, and they have a different opinion, a different perspective. Um, I, I'm not always right. And it's really healthy to be in community mm-hmm. where people can challenge yeah. my thoughts as well as affirm, but we we are challenged in community. I like that. It's dangerous if I'm nodding in the same direction all the right. time. Yeah. yeah. It's that practiceness of open hands and humbleness, right? Like we come right, yeah. I like that. with open hands. Wow, excuse, these themes seem to just keep coming. <laughs> hey. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it there. We could keep going for hours and it's Obviously, I really enjoy these conversations. This has been a fantastic month. Thank you both for leaning in on this conversation. And thank you, everyone, for participating, joining us with your questions, uh, contributing in the comments, everything that you've done to be a part of this. We felt more than I expected that this was a community experience. Mm. Uh, we, We love whenever we can break the fourth wall and we can actually have people participate in the environments that we create as opposed to just dumping information so thank you for doing that. Keep those questions coming in, and that might influence where we go. But I'm happy to announce that we have, we're already planning season two. Woo! Mid-May, Authentic Conversations mm. will be coming out mid-May 2023. We'll get all the dates and stuff when we're closer to it for specifics. But we have rough plans that stretch well into the future for this podcast. So thank you for making this a, a fantastic launch. It was just a beta. We, were, we weren't sure where it was going to go, but uh, it's been a beautiful experience. Yeah. So keep keep on this journey with us. And until our next season, obviously there's plenty you can do to be part of this community. Join us on weekends. We're heading into an Easter series, which we are we were just talking about how excited we were right we before are. we hit record yeah. today. So make sure you join us if you can. If not, it's there for replay, I guess, <laughs> at that point for you. But uh, be part of this community. Lean in and, and be part of this with, with us. Thank you for being there with us. We'll see you in season two.